Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Praise the Lord. Here we are for another great Wednesday night united. Good to see everybody this evening. Uh, Good to know that God is moving in your life and increasing you more and more. And uh, we're excited about what God's doing there in the Kansas location, what He's doing in the Little Rock location. Uh, It's time to move. It's time to to move into all that God wants us to do, and uh, we are seeing that happening over and over again. I keep getting reports about the blessing, about the the victory that people have experienced since the night of giving, and uh, we're going to continue to press into that and continue to press into what God has for us. Let's go to Ephesians 4 tonight. We want to continue with this that we've been on entitled, Give No Place. Give No Place. I believe this is part three. And uh, this kept coming up in my spirit because the Lord uh, kept directing me back to that scripture here in Ephesians 4 where it says, Neither give place to the devil. And uh, as we get into this, we're going to look at something tonight specifically the devil is such an opportunist. You know, in the, uh, in the animal world, there are uh, certain uh, animals that will only eat certain things. And then you have your opportunist, that they will just take any opportunity to eat anything that there is. And, uh, you know, primarily called a scavenger. You know, they'll eat anything if it's dead or, or whatever, They are an opportunist. The devil is an opportunist. He's looking for any opportunity to exploit people in their lives. Now, the problem with this is that people, believers, Christians, will tell you that they know this, that they know that. But most Believers, most Christians, are uh, ignorant of spiritual things. Most, not you, present company excluded, but most are. And for many, the greatest area of ignorance is where their authority is concerned. And in Ephesians 4 and verse 25, Paul says to the Ephesian church, Wherefore, putting away lying... Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. Notice the next phrase. Neither give place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. So he says, and we'll get into that more in in, uh, uh, subsequent messages, but he says, Don't lie and don't be sinfully angry, all right? And then he says, why? Because it gives place to the devil. It gives place to the enemy. 
The Roos Bible says, stop giving an occasion for acting or opportunity to the devil. So notice, he's looking for an opportunity. He's looking for an occasion to act. So Paul says these two things. He says, number one, there is a devil. And then he says, number two, notice that he's looking for a loophole or a foothold. But he also tells us that we can deny him that access. I can deny him that access. Amen. Now, there are believers that believe there's, there's nothing they can do about the devil. And, and here's the reason. They bought into a lie. And the lie is this, is that, uh, you know, he's on the same level as God and is some kind of all-powerful being. When, when you uh, uh, see a movie or a television show, and it has to do with the devil, or it has to do with, with uh, uh, you know, Satan. They always put him basically on the same level of God as, as if they go head to head. All right? Well, Satan is God's enemy, but he's far from on the same level. Far from on the same level. Amen. I was watching a, uh, a Christian program not too long ago, a Christian children's program. And uh, it's a great program. I like it. And, uh, and, and, of course, Lily likes it, so we watch it. But it, they, they, they had, to do with, uh, it had to do with Job's temptation. And, of course, they had to have the devil in there because he was there doing the tempting. And uh, they had him going to heaven. And they had him flying, you know, uh, 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 down uh, into the throne room of God. And the angels of God standing around and they're mad and, and what's he doing here? And they're upset, uh, you know, but it was like they were still, they had this respect for him because he's the devil. And Well, that's, that, nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing could be further from the truth. The holy angels of God have no respect for the devil. And they have no fear of the devil. As believers, we should have no fear of the devil. And we should have no respect for him in the sense he has no standing or voice in our life. We understand he has a cunning wisdom, but we have the wisdom of God. Now, the reason this is so important is Paul states that we can give the devil no opportunity to act in our lives. Notice in Ephesians chapter 2, <coughs> excuse me, and uh, Ephesians 2 and verse 2, he says, Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. The Woos Bible says, And you being dead with reference to your trespasses and sins, he made alive in the sphere of which trespasses and sins 
at one time you ordered your behavior. Why? As dominated by the spirit of the age in this world system, as dominated by the leader of the authority of the lower atmosphere. So here's what he's saying, is that you lived your life and you lived your, you ordered your manner of behavior as a person who was dominated by the spirit of this age and by the prince of the power of the air, which is the spirit that works in the children of disobedience. So this is referencing you before you were born again. That that's how you lived your life. Dominated by the spirit of the age and by the devil. Hallelujah. But that was before what? Before you were born again. Now people read this and they say, well, he's the prince of the power of the air. So he is a prince. Yes, he is. Scripture says he is. The prince of the power of the air. In other words, the atmosphere, the age that we live in, that's the spirit that's trying to pervade. But notice something. It says that we were influenced by him and we were dominated by him and we ordered our behavior according to what his influence was before we were born again. Not now. Not now. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4. 2 Corinthians 4 and 4. It says, well, verse 3 says, If our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world. Notice. So now we see, first of all, the prince of the power of the air, and now the God of this world, little g. The God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, which is the image of God, should shine unto them. So notice he's called the prince of the power of the air. He's called the God of this world. But again, many have taken these verses and built a view of the devil as being some kind of all-powerful being, essentially on the same level as God. In reality, nothing could be further from the truth. But these verses do describe how he works. He works through influence and deception. Influence and deception. We read in Ephesians 2 that you were under the influence of the prince of the power of the air when you weren't born again. He influenced your decisions. Here in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, Paul says that he blinds the minds of those that do not believe. Believe That word blind the minds, that phrase means to darken the perception. What is the best way to darken someone's perception? Deceive them. Deceive them. Amen. He is... Or let me say it this way. His mode of operation is deception. The enemy's always looking to deceive. He's always looking to bring a level of deception into the situation. When he dealt with Adam and Eve, if you read 2 Timothy 2.14, you don't have to turn there, but it says this. 
it says the woman was deceived and Adam wasn't. That's why all throughout Scripture it's referred to Adam's to as Adam's transgression. Because Eve was deceived, Adam wasn't. Adam willfully sinned. Eve was deceived into sinning. But who was she talking to? Who deceived her? The devil. So what was his mode of operation from the very first book of the Bible, the very beginning of time as humankind is concerned, his mode of operation was deceive. Deceive. Blind the minds. Deceive. Get them under my influence. What does that mean? If you won't be deceived, and if you won't let your mind be blinded, and if you won't get under his influence, there's nothing he can do. There's nothing he can do. Because you, according to Luke 10, have been given authority over all the power of the enemy. Amen. Well, one of his powers is deception. One of his powers is mind-blinding. Exerting influence. But I have power over that because I have the spirit of truth that lives on the inside of me. I am of the truth because I am of God. Hallelujah. Now this is so important because we can see from this verse that the devil operates and exerts his influence through the area of mind blinding. Trying to blind the mind, darken the perception. And he does that through deception. Deception, to deceive. And that's why the scripture says in uh, 2 Timothy, it says that in the last days, all right, people will give heed. We taught on this for, for weeks in the series, What Has Your Attention? It said that, that people will give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, all right, and that they would believe it to the point that it would shipwreck their faith, that they would deny Christ, that they would move away from the gospel. How does that happen? Through deception, through mind-blinding. And he, he's an opportunist, so he will use any area. When something goes wrong in a believer's life, when something doesn't go the way it was expected, if they give their thought to that too much, the devil will eventually show up and begin to try to deceive them with that. It could be something as simple as this. Somebody did not receive their healing or, or they're walking their healing out or whatever the case may be. And at some point in time, at some point in time, they're going to hear these words. Well, it may not be God's will to heal you. At some point, that's coming. Why? Because he's using the situation they're in as a loophole to try to get a place in their life. And he can only do that through deception. That's why Brother Hagin said that the greatest defense against the deception of the enemy was a working knowledge of the Word of God. Amen. Because when he comes and says it might not be God's will to heal you and he's attempting to deceive you, you go back to the Scripture where it says that it is always God's will to do good for His people and His children, where Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with Him. If it was God's will to heal all then, it's God's will to heal all now, so it's God's will to heal me. 
Now, right, those are the elementary things that we know, but the point is, is that's how he works. That's the subtlety. That's the deception. His power lies in his ability to deceive you. That's where his power lies. He could not make Adam or Eve partake of that fruit, but he could deceive them into doing it or deceive her into doing it. That's that's the key. He's got to deceive you into doing it. In uh, 2 Corinthians 11, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 12, it says, But what I do, that I will do, that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion, that wherein they glory they may be found even as we. For such, notice this, are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. So he's talking about people that are false apostles and deceitful workers. And the Woos Bible says, And no marvel, for Satan himself changes his outward expression from one that comes from his inner nature and is representative of it to one that is assumed from without and not representative of his inner being, masquerading as an angel of light. So Paul says these apostles, these men are false apostles and deceitful workers. And he says it's it's no marvel that Satan is transformed into an angel of light. So it's no wonder that his workers are deceitful. Right? So he lets us know that what? The devil masquerades. He deceives. He deceives. And Paul says these men are preaching the gospel for wrong reasons because they're false apostles and they're agents of the enemy. (coughs) And he said, so it shouldn't surprise you because look who they're part of. Jesus said in John 8, 44, that the devil was what? A liar. And there was no truth in him. So he masquerades. He walks about deceiving. Now, the reason I'm saying this is to take you back to that point of what people think of the enemy. That he's some all-powerful being. That, you know, he just shakes the earth. Only... If he can deceive you. That's it. Only if he can deceive you. His own pride has deceived him. He is so prideful, he really thinks he can win. Now, I've had people say, well, doesn't he know he's fighting a losing battle? Prideful people don't think they're fighting a losing battle. Prideful people actually think they're better than they are. Amen. But in reality, if he can't deceive you, he can exert no power over you. 
Amen. And the reality is this. The enemy, the reality of the enemy is far different than what he desires to portray to us. Far different. Far different. In uh, Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14. And uh, verse 12, he says, How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For you've said in your heart, I'll ascend into heaven. I'll exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also in the mount of the congregation. In the sides of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to hell, to the sides of the, of the pit. They that see you will narrowly look upon you and consider you, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble and shook kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of the prisoners? Now notice, notice what it starts off with. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Now why is this important? Notice that phrase, fallen from heaven. So far from being an all-powerful being, the Bible refers to him as a fallen one. He's fallen. If anything, he is the first loser. Right? The first one. Because notice, he's fallen from heaven. At whatever time in eternity past that this occurred, the end result was that Satan was cast out of heaven and fell to the ground. At whatever time it occurred. There are those, of course, that believe that there was a pre-Adamite pre, pre uh, kingdom on the earth and that Satan was the ruler and, and that he decided to try to take heaven and ascend his throne and put his throne above God's. And, and that I believe there's hints of that in the Word of God. But here's, here's the point. Ever what time it was, whenever it happened, the end result was he was cast down and fell to the ground. That's the key. Cut down to the ground means to cut off or to cut asunder. So when you read that, he was forcibly intercepted in his attempt to attack heaven. And just like a tree being cut down, he was cut off at the knees and cast to the ground. Just like that. Amen. So when you think of them, we're going to look at some more of this in a moment. When you think about the enemy... You think of him in terms as, yes, he's the enemy, he's the adversary, but he's an adversary that has fallen, he's an adversary that's been defeated, he's an adversary that's been cast down. If he could not overcome the power of God then, he could not overcome the power of God in you now. Because the power hasn't changed. It's my belief, it's my, it's my faith in the authority that I have. 
Hallelujah. <laughs> Do you see this? Now, in Ezekiel, Ezekiel 28, Because you'll hear things, you'll, you'll see things in movies and, and TV, and you'll even hear people say, well, you know, it's good versus evil. And listen, here, here's, the, here's the bottom line. No matter how much evil there is, it cannot overcome good. Darkness cannot overcome light. It cannot. I've used this reference before, but when we came in the, the, the church this evening, it was dark. The moment the lights came on, the darkness left. There's not a corner of darkness. There's not a pocket of darkness in the middle of the room that says, I refuse to move. It has to leave because darkness is simply the absence of light. And when light shows up, that's why the Bible says, that the enemy attempts to blind the minds or darken the perception of the people that are not believing so that the light of the glorious gospel will not shine to them. Because if the light ever shows up, he's done. His work's over because the light showed up. That's why he hates the word because the word is light. That's why he hates the scripture because the scripture's light. And when the light shows up, his deception's over with. Some, something very simple. When, when, when I got a hold of the revelation from the Word of God that God wanted to bless me financially, my days of poverty were over. He could no longer lie to me because I saw it in the Word. When you found out how much God loves you and how much God cares about you and how badly God wanted to save you, the days of deception were over and it was just a matter of time before you were born again. He's a deceiver. But he was cast down. In Ezekiel 28 and verse 14. You are the anointed cherub that covereth and I have set you so. You were upon the holy mountain of God you have walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. You were, notice, you were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created until, notice, iniquity was found in you. By the multitude of your merchandise, they filled the midst of you with violence and you have sinned. Therefore, I will cast you as profane out of the mountain of God and I will destroy you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You have corrupted your wisdom by reason of your brightness. I will cast you to the ground. I will lay you before kings that they may behold you. So notice this again. We have this other account from Ezekiel of the position he held in heaven. The covering cherub, the anointed cherub, that, that was perfect, right? That, that was beautiful, that was 
But he said, because of your beauty, you were lifted up in pride. And when pride showed up, iniquity showed up. And you attempted something you should have never attempted. And because of that, I have cast you down as something profane into the earth, under the ground. Hallelujah. So we see that he's been cast down. And we see the reason for his downfall, his pride. His pride. His, his issue was this, is he began to see how beautiful he was and he began to give himself the credit. God created him that way. God gets the glory. And so when he saw himself, he took the glory for his beauty. Iniquity was found in his heart. The next thing that pride worked in him was this desire and this belief that because of who he was, he could usurp God's authority and remove God from the throne. And God said, I'm going to count you as something profane, and I'm just going to cast you to the ground. Hallelujah. Pride is still his downfall. The devil thinks much of himself. He thinks much of himself. Amen. And that will be, that's always his downfall. He always goes too far. Especially where believers are concerned. And you got to understand that. That his ultimate means of trying to work in your life is to get what he wants. Which is ultimately to stop you from receiving from God. To, to mess your life up. To destroy your life. But that's his desire. This is, this is important. Because notice, he's fallen and he's been cast down. So he doesn't have that place of power. He doesn't have that place of authority. He, he's not this beautiful, all-powerful being. You know, uh, Dr. Les Summerall said one time, <coughs> he said that he had had the devil ask him on two or three occasions, uh, let me show myself to you. And he said, I always told him, no, I will not allow that. And he said, the reason was, he said, because there's no reason to open up yourself to more deception than you may be able to handle. It's important. Yeah. Amen. That, 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 that's so important. That, that's why you don't let him talk to you for very long. At all. Because he's, watch, deceptive. He is a deceiver. Think about this for a moment. We, we often talk about Judas. Judas walked with Jesus for three and a half years. He saw the dead raised. He saw, according to John, probably more miracles 
than the world can contain the accounts. He saw the blind healed, the deaf healed, the dumb healed. He saw devils cast out. He saw at least two occasions where combined there was, there was uh, 20, 30,000 people fed, one with five loaves and two fishes, and the other one with what was it, seven loaves and four fish, something like that. Saw Jesus walk on the water, saw Lazarus raised from the dead, was there when Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And still, Scripture tells us that Satan deceived him and convinced him to betray Jesus. Wow. Do, do you see this? Hallelujah. You don't let, how long, how long did the devil talk? How long did he work on Judas? We see evidence of it when the woman came and broke the alabaster box and poured it on Jesus and poured it on his feet and anointed his head. It was Judas that said, what is this waste? Wow. Who inspired that? Who inspired that kind of offense? The devil. The devil. Amen. And, and we don't know. Re remember how Jesus answered when Peter said, he said, he said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my father, which is in heaven. And I say unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, and I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then it says, and he began to tell them how that he was going to go to Jerusalem and he was going to be betrayed into the hands of wicked men and they were going to try him and they were going to crucify him and they were going to bury him. He was going to be dead for three days. And Peter said, be it far from you, Lord. This will not happen to you. Pity yourself. Save yourself. And the Bible says, the Woos Bible says, that Jesus whirled and speaking to Peter and Satan said, get behind me, Satan. You do not savor the things that be of God. Hallelujah. Now, I've heard pre preachers kind of sugarcoat that. Well, you know, he wasn't talking to Peter. He wasn't mad at Peter. No, he was talking to Satan speaking through Peter. So that tells me that Peter thought that thought and said what he was thinking and it wasn't his thought. It was the devil's thought. That's how we handle the deception. That's how we handle the deception. We don't let him talk. Jesus could no more afford to pity himself than anybody else. Jesus, Jesus had to stay away from that more than anyone else. Because he said, I have the power to give my life and the power to take it up again. In other words, I don't have to do this. I'm willingly doing it. I have the power to get out of this. 
And what was the enemy always working on Jesus to do? Get out of what he'd been sent to do. Hallelujah. (laughs) In the Garden of Gethsemane, sweat turning to great drops of blood. Sweat and blood mingling as the capillaries burst. And it's like great drops of blood falling to the ground. And in that moment, we don't know, the Bible doesn't tell us, what Jesus was going through mentally other than the anguish that he was in. But we do know that he said, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He had to pray that prayer three times. But he came out of it victorious. Because he answered the deception. He answered it. So ever how long the devil talked to Judas, there came a day (laughs) when Jesus was at the table with the disciples and he said, one of you is going to betray me. And they said, Lord, who is it? And he said, the one that takes a sop with me in in the bowl. And it says that Judas took a sop with him. Jesus looked at him and said, that that you do, do quickly. And it says in the Bible that then Satan entered into Judas. Well, it wasn't just God in his sovereignty. This was inevitable. I believe that the enemy found the weak link in that group of disciples in Judas. And he found it through his greed and through his offense. And he deceived him. Somehow he deceived him into thinking if he does this, either he's going to get away with it, it's the right thing to do, I don't know. But here's what I know. According to Acts chapter 1, he lost his place in the ministry of Jesus Christ. He lost his name being put in the foundation of the new city, the new Jerusalem. And he lost his reward because he was deceived. Don't let him talk because that's his power. That's his ability. That's how he exerts his influence. Hallelujah. Now, in Revelation, Revelation chapter 12, we see something. Revelation 12 and 1. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered. (coughs) Excuse me. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns upon his head. And his tail drew the third of the stars of heaven, and cast them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. So, of course, the dragon is the enemy. His tail drew a third of the angels of heaven. They were cast down to the earth with him, and he persecutes the nation of Israel. This is him persecuting the nation of Israel. Now, in uh, verse 7, it says, And there was war in heaven... 
And Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not, neither was there found any, neither were they found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth, notice, the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of their brother of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives to the death. So notice, the devil and his angels fought and prevailed not. They fought and they prevailed not. And then what's the next word? They were cast down. They were cast down. They fought and did not prevail. So we see something. He's a fallen one. He's one that's been cast down, cast out. God viewed him as profane, useless. Cast him to the earth. Amen. Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, a familiar verse, but it's important that we see this. Because the 70, verse 17, returned again with joy saying, Lord, even the devils, the demons, are subject unto us through your name. The Roost Bible says that they are marshalling themselves under our command. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan fall as lightning from heaven. Behold, I give unto you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. So Jesus said, look guys, I was there. I saw him fall like lightning from heaven. <laughs> How does lightning fall? <laughs> Real quick. Fast. Evidently that war didn't last very long. Because he said, I beheld him fall like lightning from heaven. I know I'm emphasizing that, but I want you to get this in your spirit. He is one who has fallen. He's been cast down. He has lost all authority over you, all power over you, and you have been given all authority and all power over him and all of his works. Glory to God. And if he cannot deceive, he cannot exert any authority in our life. We're not under the sway of the, of the wicked one. We're not under his control in any fashion. Hallelujah. The view that we're given from these scriptures is far from an all-powerful, ferocious, unstoppable being. Hallelujah. 
I've talked to Christians before. It's, oh, Brother Steele, but, you know, you got to watch out because the devil does have power. Uh-huh. He does. But what did we just read? Behold, I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Now, here's the question. What? Look at the words. Over all the power of the enemy. So here's the question. Big power or little power? Does it matter? No, because we've been given power over all of it. Doesn't matter how powerful he may be. I I need you to see that. Because the level of power that he exerts is determined by the level of deception that he can operate in in your life. And if you keep in your mind and recognize he is a liar and the father of it, how does a liar work? They exert influence through deception. Amen. I remember one time I got a phone call. And uh, uh, this was back before uh, uh, email and whatnot was as prevalent as it is. We had it. And, but the early, well, I, sh- I should say the, the, the late 90s, you know, 98, somewhere around there, 99. And I got a phone call on the landline at the church. And uh, I'd also received some, some uh, uh, correspondence via email, but it was, it was as I said, it was kind of clunky. And this person was saying that, now when you hear it, you're going to know exactly what it is. But this person was saying that uh, they had a certain amount of money that had been transferred into an account. And I mean, it was, it was a lot of money. It was like something like five million American. And uh, that they needed some help getting to a certain place so they could access that money. And they told a story about how their mother had died and, and, and they needed to pay for the funeral and that you know they would show proof of this money and that if I would be willing to help them pay for the funeral, that they would recompense me with like $150,000. Hallelujah. Well, we know that's a... That's a scheme. But here's the thing. I recognized it instantly, and I didn't have anything to do with them. No, this is, this is, a, this is a, a scheme. Hung up. Didn't pay any attention to it. When the devil is talking, he's lying. Don't pay attention to it. Don't pay attention to it. Why? Because the more he talks the more deception grows. You do not, listen, you do not want to give your attention to what the devil says any more than you would give your attention to profanity, wickedness. You don't do it. Why? Because the more you listen, the more comfortable you get with things. The more you listen, the more comfortable you get. 
And if you get comfortable with him talking, then deception becomes easier. Deception becomes easier. Revelation 20 and verse 1. I believe I'm helping you. Glory to God. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and put him, cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal on him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years was fulfilled and after that he must be loose for a little season now we realize that after the thousand year reign of Christ he's loosed for a little season but notice something Uh, notice here where it says I saw a legion of angels oh no that's not what it says does it no I saw a angel one One angel that came down from heaven, what did he do? Chained the devil up and threw him in the bottomless pit. How many angels? One. One. One angel will seize the devil, bind him up, throw him into the bottomless pit. One. Not a legion. Amen. Very often the devil's portrayed as heavenly beings being almost afraid of him. And certainly not being able to handle them by themselves. Absurd. That's absurd. Scripture says one angel is going to chain him up. And put him in the bottomless pit. And from the language we see, there's nothing he can do about it. There's nothing he can do about it. Why is that important? Because if that angel can exert that much power over the devil, how much authority can we exert over him? When we've been given all of heaven to back up what we say. To back up the actions that we take. He is now and always will be a fallen one. The enemy wants to represent himself as something that he's not. I keep telling you this for a reason. He is locked in time. He is bound on the earth just as much as we are in the sense that he's earthbound. He cannot go into tomorrow. He doesn't know what's going to happen tomorrow. That's why he's always got to use your past against you in your present to try to stop your tomorrow. He doesn't know what's going to happen. He's not omniscient. He's not omnipresent. He's he's not all-knowing. He's limited in his abilities. 
And his deception is his greatest weapon. And when you come to understand that, look at the words that are used about him. That old serpent, the deceiver, the adversary, the destroyer. Hallelujah. And part of his deception is to get you to believe that he can just do whatever he wants. Hallelujah. Do do you see this? There is no reason ever for any believer to be depressed, oppressed, repressed by the enemy for any period of time. Because he doesn't have the ability to do that. He does not have the ability to do that. Let's finish up with James 4. James 4 and verse 7. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil. The word resist to stand against. Set yourself against the devil. And he will flee from you. The Phillips translation says, but resist the devil and you'll find he'll run away from you. But how do you find that he'll run away? You got to resist him. You got to set yourself against him. The New English says, stand up to the devil and he'll turn and run. Why? He He doesn't grow to 20 feet and breathe fire and smoke and brimstone. He's not throwing lightning bolts. No, it says stand up to the devil and he'll turn and run. I said stand up to the devil and he'll turn and run. Amen. I remember one time I had a friend growing up named Robert Hickok. And Robert Hickok had come from him and his folks had moved to Clayton, New Mexico from Waycross, Georgia. And... uh, Robert was, he was a little taller than I was, but he was, uh, you know, he was a, a, wasn't the biggest guy. He was a skinny guy, but, but he was a good athlete and strong. And there was a guy in uh, the town that we lived in named Bobby Allen. And uh, Bobby Allen was, he was somewhat of a friend of mine. He was a little older than me, but uh, somewhat of a friend. And I don't know if anybody remembers alleyways. You know, there used to be alleys that you could walk through from street to street. Alleys behind houses. And, uh, we, you know, you'd always cut through the alley. It was quicker. You got to know what alleys were what, and you cut through them. And we were walking through uh, uh, this alley, and old Bobby Allen, he was always talking about how tough he was, and, and he was bigger than, than most people. And so uh, he could kind of exert his influence because of his size. And uh, he popped off to Robert. I knew that was the wrong thing to do. And boy, he cleaned his clock. Robert just cleaned his clock. I mean, for all his bravado and all his talk, when, when, when the fist started flying, there was nothing to him. As they say, he was a paper tiger. You understand? So for all he said and all he declared... In about five minutes, it was a proven fact. 
None of that's true. <laughs> because it was all talk. And his words had always deceived people into thinking there's nothing I can do. Because while he was talking, he'd kind of move up on you, you know, and kind of sort of threaten you, but, but people would just back off. He did that in the alley that day and got popped in the nose. <laughs> Amen. Because what happened? He bowed up, but Robert resisted him. Amen. And what happened? He ran. Last I saw him, he was taken off down the alley. Gone. Amen. It's the same way with the enemy. Today's English version says, resist the devil and he will run away from you. He'll run away from you. So that means when you resist the devil, next thing you see is taillights. He's gone. Why? Because he cannot override Scripture. And Scripture says, if you resist him... If you set yourself against him. So right now you do that. I'm setting myself against the enemy. I'm setting myself against his deception. I'm setting myself against his lies. I will not be deceived in Jesus name. And what's going to happen? He's going to turn and run from you. He's going to turn and run from you. This is such an important scripture. Because it flies in the face of what so many people say. Remember this as I'm closing. People will say, well, you know, the enemy, you know, the enemy comes in and, you know, the Bible says he comes in like a flood. The key phrase is like a flood, not a flood, like it. How, how does a flood come? Usually swiftly and quickly. But the very next part of that verse says, and the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Well, you know, the devil's a roaring lion. Doesn't say that. It said the devil, like a roaring lion, roameth about, seeking whom he may devour. In other words, he's an opportunist. He's like a lion. He's an opportunist. He's looking for easy prey. What's the next verse say? Resist him. Why resist him? What James say? He'll run away from you. He'll run away from you. So when you look at it that way, my family, and you look at it from the standpoint, he is a fallen one. We have no pity for him. We have no sorrow for him. We have no compassion for him. Everything he gets and everything he's going to get, he deserves every bit of it. I hope, I hope that on that day that he's cast into the lake of fire, I hope I get to be one of the people right on the edge laughing with everything in me. Why? Because he deserves everything he's got coming to him. Amen. And we have all power and all authority over him. We resist him and he runs. In the name of Jesus. Well, stand up, everybody. Praise.